This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi everyone, Dave here. Before we get to this episode, just want to give you a heads up that there will be spoilers for all Line of Duty episodes to date. There are also spoilers for the TV series Bodyguard, also by Jed Mercurio. And there are also randomly uh, some spoilers for the movie Spectre, the James Bond movie. Uh, I've got time codes for when those are in the episode synopsis. Uh, and we'll give you a quick warning. Just wanted to give you fair warning. So on with the episode. This is Chief Superintendent Constable Sergeant David Corkery interviewing Superintendent Lieutenant Catherine Cullen. The date is 13th of Inspector May. Inspector Catherine Cullen. For the tape, Inspector Catherine Cullen, Superintendent First Level, has intervened to correct her rank. I absolutely refuse for someone who is a rank less than me to conduct this interview. <laughs> for the tape. <laughs> for the tape. <laughs> for the tape, Catherine Cullen is refusing the right to be interviewed by <laughs> our superior. <laughs> My inferior. <laughs> I am the superior officer. Unfortunately, neither of us know which the correct titles are. But let's for the tape. No, for the tape. For I am the superior the officer. Tape. You are out of line. Officer, I advise you to officer. turn to page 54 in your notes where it clearly states that I am the superior one in this relationship. I relate to you subsection 24B slash 6, paragraph mother 7. Mother of God! <laughs> Holy mother of God! By God, woman, have, is it, have you ever even read a manual before? <laughs> right, we're finally here for Mile of Duty. It's three weeks? Two weeks since the finale aired? It's only um, a week or so, is it? I don't oh, maybe know. Anyway, it's we're late. A week. We missed it, guys. We were on holidays. We were all right? on holidays. We took, we took a break. All right. And we just, missed it. Just, then I'm sorry. We missed it the week before that, so we ended up binging last night when we got home from Greece. The last two episodes, which was a very epic binge. So and we're caught up. Us, we're caught up. Neither of us had been spoiled by anyone, which was really cool. Uh, so we're just recording basically a general chit chat about the last season. Spoilers yeah. for all Line of Duty seasons. Don't listen if you haven't seen Line of Duty. Go off and watch it. Go watch Line of Duty. And la- it's all so, on the iPlayer for a while and it's all on Netflix as well, except the latest season. But the it's, finale... Yeah, it's a great show. I was reading last night, the finale had the highest ever rating for any Line of Duty episode ever. It's grown every year and wow. it was over 9 million in the overnights, which is huge. What about Bodyguard? What does it relate to that? Bodyguard was the highest... I think the highest rated drama ever was something like 13 million. It so was like Bodyguard's bigger than this? Yeah, Bodyguard's bigger than this. Wow. Um, 
that was unprecedented though that was just like a whole zeitgeist thing so for anyone who doesn't know Bodyguard also made by creator Jed Mercurio yeah who makes Line of Duty but at least 4 million people more watched Bodyguard so they'll definitely know if they're English Um, yeah so kind of don't know where to start let's talk let's just talk generally how you feel about this season so I think my my expectations were very high on the season we watched the first three seasons together and then Dave didn't watch season four but I did the Sandy Newton one yeah, how did that come about you just decided I to watch it I was waiting for you because I kept waiting to watch it and you were like oh, I don't want to watch it so in the end I just <coughs> went went around you and watched it myself for me this show peaked in season 3 and I'm having because difficulty you haven't getting seen, over that because you haven't seen season 4 <laughs> I know but it's almost like that was so good that was such a great season it of television great, with yeah. such a great ending I was as like, was the Thandie Newton season you that you're right, basically fine. discrediting because you didn't see um, so yeah I had really really high expectations and like the primary thing I want from a Line of Duty season is brilliant, brilliant guest star, brilliant interview scenes, and like big shock twists. Yeah. But for me, it's like the core of it is the interview scenes and the guest stars. Um, and something that that was truly epic in the Sandy Newton one was was when Sandy Newton and Hastings were finally in a room together, which you missed, and it was incredible. And a huge part of that was actually her basically claiming that Ted was guilty of like systemic sexism and misogynist being a misogynist and it really ended it really they really leaned into it and Ted was like calling women like girl that wee girl and he was being really funny about Kate and you kind of missed all of that and he was like kind of being weird with DCR not like going for drinks with him but not with Kate um, so that was all really interesting they sowed a lot of seeds and then we come back to this season which was like a year and a half later and Kate's been promoted over Arnett, which is really interesting. And I kind of enjoyed that as the setting. Um, yeah, so kind of as a starting point, I definitely enjoyed the season. But I felt like towards the end, it lost me a little bit. I was a bit disappointed because, like, we loved Stephen Graham and he was so great. And then he was, like, gone. That was a great surprise, though. It was so awful. Like, we, I was really upset after <coughs> watching that, actually. It was so violent. It was awfully violent. Well, the whole scenario, just to talk about that very briefly, uh, Colbert's death, it it was a it was a, a brilliantly executed shock, but it is set in a very very um, upsetting. It was really upsetting. Scene, yeah. Just just in terms of like the the context of the whole thing, because you know that you know that that's stuff that actually happens. Yeah, like those poor women, and they were being called livestock, and I honestly felt really ill, and I think that's partially why I didn't watch it for a few weeks then because. I just it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. But look, uh, to the show's credit, it doesn't shy away from no. the reality. Like that's. And a, I think that's it's a good thing to portray because, like, I'm sorry, but there are clearly lots of like men in this country who use those kind of brothels, and those women are not doing it willingly. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see that conveyed in a hugely popular drama that nine million people watch. Um, there is an active. I've awful. seen. I've seen um, posters for. There is an active campaign to uh, promote awareness of the slave industry and the sla- you know the slavery exists in modern society in in many forms and that is one of the one of the most uh cruel and, and horrible um but it does it, it it does exist um yeah i read interestingly the that board. the totally side note like when we get back to line of duty that the kind of easiest industries to spot slave it's in, ones that accept only cash right uh, specifically for women it tends to be nail bars and for men it tends to be car washes and yeah right. if they only take cash and if the people serving you don't appear to speak any English and it specifically in those industries 
so that's really interesting particularly to me because as someone who actually I do go and get my nails done generally it is a place where a lot of people don't speak English and they only take cash so yeah. it's made me really question where I'm spending my money um, but total by the by the Stephen Graham stuff he's brilliant isn't he Stephen Graham is outstanding I think he's a, an, an amazing actor and I, I completely agree with you in you know you put it really well there why we come to this show and it is I, it's the same reasons you get an amazing guest star for each season for me who is the star of the show which is very interesting I, I don't I can't think of another show where the you know the quote unquote main characters or the ones that we follow consistently throughout all these seasons are really secondary for me They're they the are treatment. anyway you've got Kate Arnett and Hastings well yeah. <laughs> Arnett and Hastings have now both been in jail which is ridiculous there are, there are they're like three. the three they're pretty they're all pretty much joy balls I not find, much fun I to be had from them and they're all just kind of there to facilitate the greater plot yeah and also, almost I feel like they you know for, I, I've never really connected emotionally with any of them but um, you did miss last season when Ireland was really badly injured and put in a wheelchair fine, so again yeah. I put it to you Lieutenant Corkery <laughs> <laughs> that you have neglected your duty as a Mile of Thrones podcaster by not watching this, season 4 this is Mile of Duty honey yeah get it alright wee girl get it right <laughs> um, this isn't Mile of Thrones Oh, whoops, my love I, I I put it to you that you have no right. I agree. Look, take to every, speak you, to me you, like you, that. You do have to take everything I say in this episode with a grain of salt because a, a, I no, a fistful of salt. skipped a whole season, which I, I normally don't. <laughs> You're like boring. Arnott's impotent. I'm like he was thrown down like seven flights <laughs> of stairs and beaten just, with the baseball bat and was in a coma. I just don't. And I you find, weren't there for it. I find when Arnott and Kate and and I think both um, Vicky McClure and uh, Martin Compton, they're they're really they're good actors. Yeah. So it's not their. It's definitely not their fault, and it's not the writing's fault. But I feel like the show. They, they are basically so there. It's not their fault, then it's not the right Hang on. Well, fault, is it? Well, maybe you could let me answer Sorry, and yeah, speak yeah. instead of interrupting. Um, For the tape, let it be known. I did not interrupt. You just, what? You did, you did, that's on the tape. <laughs> this is the tape. You just you can play it back to you, and it's you interrupting. It's not their fault. They are basically. Um, they're vessels for exposition and plot <laughs> and discovery. That is their function. They have to move the plot along. So, th- so I feel I always feel whenever they get emotional um, beats and stories, they feel like quite perfunctory, and it's like ooh, Kate's husband's crossing her again. So, for being mo- a policewoman. Well, yeah. So most of the time, it's just the two of them in a room, like finding a piece of evidence and going, "You know what this means, mate." And it's like the gaffer won't like this. <laughs> and I'm like, and for me, a lot of <laughs> a lot of that sort of uh, police dialogue and chubby banter never really gels so yeah, anyway but, but I oh we're under a tunnel you, now so it's echoey but I this is where we were actually arguing me. about this uh, we last night we were talking night. about Stephen Graham alright oh, okay we'll but on, on that point yeah. I, I really do think that this show is well researched enough that he's using language that the police will be using yes and that is the way they'll be speaking to each other and at the end of the day Kate and Arnett aren't really that interesting <clears> as we've said and, and they work on really serious things so they're not really going to be sitting around and like bantering in the office and I read an interesting piece in The Guardian that I'm not sure 100% agree with but it was still very interesting which was they were saying that it's very gender neutral language in Line of Duty so you know the way often roles are written specifically with a woman or a man in mind or somebody who's white or someone who's a different ethnicity or someone who's a specific size they're saying that almost all the dialogue in Line of Duty excepting like the sexist ones that Hastings was using um could be spoken by a male or female and you could at any point flip Arnett and Kate and that it would still be the same plot and they were set, they were positing that it was quite interesting that 
in this show women's motives aren't judged by their gender judged by what's going on in their job so I yeah. thought that was quite an interesting article well, that's interesting and I agree with that I think it comes across because however, all they say is mate and gaffer however I think as a byproduct of, of maybe it's not because of that but maybe it's a, as, a, as a result of those decisions I feel like they just become homogenous sort of cop characters oh yeah they are and I agree I think Jed Mercurio I don't know his, his history or um, relationship with the police but this is one of the most authentic police shows or at least authentic feeling police shows around and it's one of the best police shows excepting around excepting the last because, episodes which are usually completely bonkers in finales but, but this I know, and look we'll talk about how it kind of got a bit silly and soapy in a bit but I think what I really another point you made was the interviews right so the the interview scenes are so well constructed and choreographed and they've got all this boring level of admin detail I love it which just it just punches up the reality of it like and for, when they say please refer to your file you're like oh my god what's in the file it's so good because basically they go in there with these files which are basic uh, you know this this like blow by blow assassination of this person across the table so good and, it's, and, and this season delivered I thought, I thought on that front towards the end but right particular. at the end though and I felt like like every episode I was like but where's the interview scene and in other seasons I felt like they've done that better and earlier on okay yes but however what this season did is it decided um, to take a course correction by making the main cop under investigation an active um, undercover operative which I think is a really interesting decision I mean he's slightly better than Kate like when Kate's undercover all she does is pretend to be a police officer in another office <laughs> in, her, in her own building <laughs> and she's like Usually. mom and that's pretty much her being undercover she's way better in this season as being like an actual cop which we've not really seen her do before so, so I thought I thought that was a, a really um, you know it, fe- it felt different for the show and I thought it was um, interesting I thought it was a great setup. Um, and it was a good twist at the end of the first episode that he was the undercover as well remember no, I disagree. I thought it was lame. Oh, I thought that I whole it. first episode where they're trying to make us think that uh, Lisa McQueen, the um, his um, his uh, female cohort in the OCG, was <laughs> um, OCG so was the undercover cop, was so bloody well signposted. I didn't and, think so. Oh, it was. was Come it, on, it was just according like, to you. It was that not was according a twist. to me. That was a twist waiting to happen. For the tape, let it be noted that I am saying that David Corkery may have believed it was signposted, <laughs> but I did not. Anyway, I, I was in the middle of a point. The I thought it was a bold move to do that and to make that the the character, but but by doing that you 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 naturally can't have the interview. Um, the, hey, stay away from the ducks! You're going way too close. Oh, I want the to mother's going to get really annoyed. Oh, whoops! And yeah. here I'm just yeah, you're just picture. wading through <laughs> the, the the poor ducks' baby. The We're walking the around babies. the canals right, of Surrey here. Um, you could take a picture from over here. Well, you don't... clearly. Yeah. Okay. Um, for the tape, I do not deliberately traumatise baby ducks. <laughs> it, was a, it was a total accident. It was classic human beings stumbling through nature. Ready <laughs> to take photos. Um, but yeah, so that, it was a sacrifice they had to make because you can't, you know, you can't have that. Um, disappointing that we never got it at all with him, but then if you're going to have this surprise kill, you never get it. I know, we're asking too much. And you did want to talk about Stephen Graham more, didn't you? Yeah. Got diverted. So wow, we've gone massively diverted. Um <laughs> Stephen Graham was was excellent. I was uh, the most invested in in him as a character throughout this whole season. Um, I, I really enjoyed. Um, I thought the discovery of him that he was the the cop was surprising. I didn't expect that. I just knew I just knew that it wouldn't be Lisa McQueen. I uh, 
or whatever her character was called but uh, that it was him was massively surprising because we'd see, seen him um, you know okay the execution of, of a police officer I so know, I you know re- like he was in like I love that idea of like the, the, the exploration of somebody who's gone so deep undercover that they've just completely lost it but the way really he tries to rationalise everything yeah. he does was quite interesting but it was like it all felt like his, he was his motivations were a little bit too over the top for me and they really brought that back around in the final episode when we learned why he was so gung-ho so yeah. it made sense and I think it was really well done and then there was like a really heartbreaking scene where he phones the wife and he says just let me listen to the kids oh, breathing yeah. and I was like oh I would to- like we've literally sat like around a baby monitor listening to Oscar breathing I was like I could totally imagine wanting that as a parent and I thought that was really heartbreaking he sells that he's a, just a tremendous he's actor so great one thing I have to note for the tape is that Dave Corker does an absolutely horrific Liverpudlian accident and he kept <laughs> trying to do it whenever Stephen Graham was on and we'd like pause it for a cup of tea and Dave would do like Flemish or something like basically so not you mean like- <laughs> oh, no it's so bad I can't do it Apologies to any of our <laughs> listeners from Liverpool. It's, it's an accent that no one should ever try and copy it's because all, you just can't, especially Liber- not if you're Irish. The Liverpool accent, I don't know what I'm going. Dave, that's not an Liverpool <laughs> Wait, that's kind of bad Scottish. It's like a bad Scottish accent. I don't know what. I can't do accents. So bad. All right, anyway. Um, so that's Stephen Graham. We both agree he was excellent. And what um, about the way, like, there was stuff about Stephen Graham that was, like, so tragic because he was even, like, he was very anti-bent cops, right? So he was like... Yeah, it's, a, it's a bold stance to take. But but he'd really hard line on it. Like, if yeah. you were Ben Cop, he didn't care if you died. Like, he's a yeah. very harsh view As in, of it. he basically... They, they murdered three police yeah, officers and he's at like, the beginning. He was he, literally like, tough shit, Ben whatever, Cop, whatever, yeah. dead to me. But then for him, and I really liked this about him, when they were doing the sex trade stuff and talking about, like, livestock, he was like, there's no... He was like, no. And he grabbed Lisa because he could see she wasn't comfortable about it. And I, I, I'm such a sucker, but I thought Lisa was going to help him, and I thought they were going to yeah. get the girls out, and I was like really pumped during that scene. I was like, yes, they're going to get everyone. And it was just, that's why it was so heartbreaking, because it was not only that we saw this awful situations with these women, but we saw him, and like he thought that he was getting out too, and he thought he was saving Lisa. And then at the end, we see Lisa crying, like she doesn't want to do any of it. Like, it's just like, why are people in these awful situations? Um, and you know, the young guy who ends up doing the police interview at the yeah. very end. <clears throat> He's actually been in it since season one. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was like, I definitely remembered. Remember, we saw that scene where they had like the body parts in a fridge. Yeah. And I was like, we've seen this apartment before with this young guy who's got like Down syndrome and he's helping them. And then. Yeah, I remember all that. Yeah, and then I googled it, and um, there's like basically like a Wikipedia of characters from the show, which is hilarious. Um, so I googled him last night after we watched it and he's been in it since season one remember he mentioned a police officer in his interview at the very end he mentioned a police officer that had inspired him and that's yeah. why he wants to become a policeman apparently that's one of the dirty ones who's been in it since season one and that dirty so people are saying it's like the way the caddy was brought in to be dirty from the uh, start this okay. guy's being brought in so obviously they're building him up I mean he was fucking awful in this scene like he's the one who slit his throat and he slit he killed Manjeet which was another thing that happened in the first episode that we, yes. we were shocked by like and it was so long ago since oh we that was awful episode. yeah and again we were like what is she doing like I find a lot for a lot well, of the season trying to I didn't really herself. know what anyone was doing for most of the time I was really <laughs> confused by what everyone was doing Particularly Hastings. I don't know what he was up to. Like, Okay, let's talk about the whole Hastings slash H thing, okay? Yeah. Which this season leaned into really heavily. Four letters were spoken too much in this season. OCG and H. <laughs> they should have been barred from the writer's room. Like, and he just said them like a hundred times a minute. Um, 
I for, for me I found this whole plot to be just a real letdown yeah because it felt from the very beginning like this doesn't line up like we know Ted isn't H it's obviously he's obviously not H because and, and then <laughs> sorry for every, anyone who lives on the street that hasn't seen the finale every, every <laughs> <laughs> this isn't spoiler street we're on non-spoiler street every sort of um every little plot tick that they try to make us think like oh he's up to something he brings oh like and it's the show deliberately misleading us with editing which I also thought they'd tried to do in the first episode and I don't really appreciate that when it's like we see um, Lisa typing to, to, the, to H on the computer and then cut to Hastings has a computer. So and apparently now he's Hastings is looking it. like really it's like, nasty porn. We get it. You're, well, they never really wrapped that up properly, I think it was just they? Catholic guilt. I don't think he was looking at like no, weird stuff. I, I think, think he just feels no, guilty because he's obsessed with his I wife. I disagree. I think that was a lie and I think there's something more to that which they're going to... There, oh god, a, they can't bring it out again next few, season. No, there's definitely a few unresolved elements with what what Hastings was doing throughout that whole season. And why was he given the money? We still don't know why they gave him that money. Yeah, they've they've left enough loose threads that they can pick them up again, which I think is fine. But however, like I was like, I don't buy it. He's not H. Like, and also like, if he was H and wanted <laughs> and 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 was helping and the OCG, he and knew that John Corbett was a rat then he would have known the entire season because they found that out in, in episode well, no, one. Well, no, you forget that episode... Uh, you, you forget that Operation Pear Tree was, like, locked down until no, no. episode one. Yes, and then, fine, like, but then, he, then he knows and then for the for the rest of the season, in, if he was H, he would have acted upon that information sooner oh, instead God, of... Look, I don't think Instead H. of four episodes in, going to somebody... And also, that's not how... He would have delivered that message no, but to I'm Lisa, saying not that, um, go to a guy in prison. Yeah, but if you think about it, Stephen Graham did the best job of all for H. Like, he did a huge job for him in terms of nicking all that stuff so you kind of might have let him do the job before you killed him maybe. the other thing is I feel Don't like this it. whole season was like maybe only set over at maximum a fortnight it was really tight time yeah. so there's not actually when they were talking about dates in the final interview and they were talking about like March 10th March 14th it was like the last few episodes were like within hours of each other but, so don't forget that fine but like I just feel like that was all just an absolute waste of time because yeah we knew I really didn't think it was him. The only way the show could have surprised me if it, is if it was him, and I would have been surprised. But I don't think that would have been a very satisfying conclusion. But it wouldn't have been either. emotionally satisfying. No. We know so that I'm Ted's like, not like that. So it's like, so I just feel like they wrote themselves into a hole with that plot. And it, I, really, I feel like for me, I imagine they they started with let's get Hastings on the other side of the interview table wouldn't that be a great scene and then they work backwards from there and to be fair episodes 6 all the Hastings un, uh, under the spotlight stuff I thought was excellent he's and, such a good actor and the his so the foil they brought in for him was so good um, I for, what's, what's that actress's name I forget anyway, she the, was, really she was excellent they, so I enjoyed all that and yeah Adrian Dunbar who plays Hastings was Phenomenal! Yeah, he was this. so he such a, a showcase for him. He had a lot to do, and he had a, he was really good in it. So it was but like, but it wasn't as satisfying to me as because obviously they did it with Steve before in I think season three, um, where the caddy, um, Doc Cotton, aka Craig Parkinson, who's been on the Cinema Isle, if you haven't heard his episode where we went to see. Uh, can you ever forgive? Can you me? ever forgive me? And we love him, right? We like totally loved him when we met him. So just a lovely guy as so well. So biased, and also from the Two Shot podcast, which you should go listen to if you haven't already. Yeah, because he's actually interviewed Vicky McClure. He's interviewed Adrian Dunbar, and I think he's interviewed um, 
Martin Compton. Martin Compton as well. Yeah, so, uh, so yeah, if go you and like to that. Line of Duty um, and go you want to hear Line of Duty actors talking to each other, yeah, go that's watch probably it. more interesting than this. Um, but anyway, the stuff where he was setting Steve Iron it up to make it, like he was the caddy. Like that was such a good season. Oh, yes. And I found those season interviews three, much amazing. more satisfying because we were on this, we, we knew that he was being set up. So we kind of, we understood all the stuff that Cotton was laying against him. And we saw that all ravel between the two of them across the table. Whereas this time I felt like Ted didn't really defend himself very well. And I felt like Ted should have done better. I felt like we kind of knew it. We knew the evidence was stacked against him. I don't know. It just didn't really work for me the way it worked. It was like, it was so fun in that other season when it was like, Arnett had really messed up. Like he'd like slept with Lindsay Denton. He'd done all sorts of stupid stuff. Like in this one, I don't know. I just didn't I'm quite buy it. Like, never and bought why he slept with uh, Lindsay Denton. I know, right? Um, it was so dumb of him. But they even mentioned that in this one. The woman who comes in to investigate Ted, like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, you're shagging around, basically. Um, they have established that in the past, so he is a bit of a loose cannon because even him with Stephen Graham in this season, he was trying to help Stephen Graham when he wasn't really supposed oh, to I be. Oh, I thought all that stuff was great. Loved, that Loved stuff, all yeah. that stuff. So what I really, to the, to the season, I think the season as a whole, because it, it, it sort of had that big shock moment in episode four where it kind of killed off the main character, I think it kind of, delivered a great shock that uh, nobody saw coming but it kind of left itself a bit flat for the last two episodes because all the last two episodes were left with was the Hastings slash H stuff which for me was far less interesting than the uh, John Corbett stuff so and can I, I just say brief th- spoilers for um, Bodyguard okay so turn off if you haven't listened to Bodyguard for the next minute he did the same trick in Bodyguard. Yes, I wanted to say that as well. Killed the end of Bodyguard when we lost Lindsay Denton, yeah. aka the Home Secretary in so Bodyguard. It's like it's like he was watching Game of Thrones and he was like, <laughs> "I want to do that." Like they, they killed Ned Stark. How cool is that? He's the main guy, and it's just like, yeah. But Ned, uh, Game of Thrones has so many characters people, to fall yeah. back on. Whereas, did you see the Bodyguard? Your your, your whole season is held up by really one actor who's the focus of this thing and one character, and then it's like. I, do, I just don't think it worked to and, their and credit same, that's why they brought in that other woman though then yeah but she was a new it's adversary. too late it's too late yeah and, we bought into Stephen and Graham. it also I, f- I agree with you I think the same thing happened in Bodyguards huge shock I was like whoa but actually that show suffered even more because no one left to Bodyguards no one left to Bodyguards but also <laughs> no. they had such sizzling chemistry yeah, the two so of them good. that won the anyway, BAFTA last night for best TV moment her death Oh really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. Well it was a total shock. But yeah. this is—I think this is it. You, by doing a delivering a shock moment like that, you're kind of undercutting the narrative. So it's a bold move. But for me, it, 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 all I was all we were left with by the end was just the, this, the interview scenes, which were very good, but felt ultimately like narratively hollow for me. But you forget about the epic there was no part ultimate tension of the interview of the interview scene, though. Jill Bigelow, my favorite character. Jill Bigelow, <laughs> my favorite character. Nana and Joe in, in Game of what's it called? Line of Duty. She literally shows up. I'm here. Seduces herself around the screen and then sultries up the screen. I love how she speaks. I love every like way she expresses her face. And then she's just sitting there going, mm-hmm, going through the stuff. And then she just owns that woman and says you came in on a section 38 but it should have been a section 18 Ted your lawyer should have spotted this mm-hmm. but we knew already I said to Dave at like the start of the season I was like Jill we Bigelow's knew she was corrupt it. we knew because she was defending like the paedophile yeah, ring that the in season 3 they heavily implied and I thought resolutely said she was corrupt so yeah. when I saw her show up here at the beginning I was like wait isn't she like 
dirty. Don't we know that? Yeah, but then I thought um, maybe it's just because she's chief counsel and she like buries people's dirty work. But I just loved her when that, she came in on Ted's side, and then her and that woman were facing off. That I thought, was epic. I thought that was it was a very interesting moment because yeah, it was very well delivered. But also, it's the first time I can think in a show where uh, police admin clerical error resulting in a mistrial or something is something we were suddenly rooting for because oh God, no- I know. <laughs> normally that's presented as like oh my god they almost had the bad guy but somebody fucked up the judicial system doesn't work but this time it was like yay the judicial system doesn't Leave work Ted alone. He and needs Ted's that 50 grand. it's not nice to take Ted's <laughs> 50 grand in cash but I said it today when they were searching the room I was like on what grounds are they searching this room I've watched Line of Duty for too long <laughs> yeah, I was like hey this is not admissible Kathy, I knew it Cathy turned to me and she was like wait did they say section 32 <laughs> because I think under paragraph 67 sub clause 6 they have the wrong arrest warrant <laughs> but um, yeah that was the that was the bit because Ted wasn't really defending himself Ted just kept going I'm not banned I'm not banned and yeah I but Ted to... knew his number was but that's up why I loved when Jill Bingham came that in cash. because last season what we had was Tandy Newton versus Ted and it was like epic and she was saying things like did you or did you not on X day refer to me as a wee girl have you never promoted a woman in your ranks and it's a kind of I think kind of implied for me off the basis that she proved that like Ted had never promoted a woman that he like systemically was sexist um, that he uses sexist language all the time and then it was interesting to come back at the start of this season and see that Kate has been promoted above Arnett because we know she's a really good cop but it, I think he had to do it because of the realisation of like how he had been treating her really sexist like there was a thing in the last season where they were both going for the promotion and he met Arnett in a pub to talk about it and then Kate said oh we should go for a drink and talk about it and he's like I hardly think that's appropriate like he was being really weird like so I was really pleased to see her get the promotion this season and I think she was really good and I think she is better than Arnett because like Arnett's a loose cannon whereas Kate's like you know beautifully informs above Hastings when he's acted inappropriately which was necessary like like he'd completely lost the rag like I did like all that stuff from a character point of view the way Hastings is all about his team and he stands up for them and has done in the past and he expected the same they were very um wary of like going above his head and did it, waited for as long as possible until um, you know he sent himself undercover unlawfully and but, was just outraged well, yeah. but there, but there's you know there's an interesting counterpoint with them in AC12 being this like tight loyal unit and then you see in AC3 um when Ted's uh, counterpart uh, when when her detective slips up on the whatever subclause section thirty two evidence issue, she's like, "I'll be expecting your transfer." Which is epic, though. Like they, there's so so she doesn't um, instill loyalty. Well, clearly not because her other her one team. was a bloody murderess. But that, that, was, that was a lame twist as well, and I saw that one. Yeah, that was, was enjoyable, like, though. Come on. But by the no, but by the end, I feel like episodes five and six. It just escalates into kind of soap opera. Yeah, it got it? really silly. You I did this. say I enjoyed, though, I really enjoyed Kate and Arnett working together to help Hastings and save Hastings because he's done a lot for them. And I was really happy to see them come in and kind of save him, like from, from that perspective. And like I thought they did really good detective work. Yeah. But then when they're all in the room together, it just got silly. Like we were like, why are they allowed to lead this interview? 
the, oh, so the silly. other woman was in charge. And they were like, excuse me, ma'am, but we need to have a chat with Detective Hastings, who incidentally has been suspended for his job on <laughs> suspicion of murder. I know. It's like, like you're not going to let them have this chat with him. That's ridiculous. And his hair follicles were on um, the body. Well, that looked bad, yeah. But we we know we know how that's happened. But like to, to be cre- like to the police is credit. Like they have to take it seriously when your hairs are on a dead victim's body. Like Ted's like, oh, don't worry about that. That can be explained away very easily. And it makes more sense because a couple of episodes ago, I was like to Dave, like, who, like, what's in this for Jill? Like, she's shagging Ted in like what can only be described as the lowest possible rent motel room. There's a photo of his wife next to the bed. It was just like, like Jill can't be this desperate. Like, yeah, so we knew she was up to something. So I love that she was but, in there like ripping hairs. From but what's hairbrush. interesting is you don't know what they have on Jill because the the, the criminal organization seems to have stuff over people. Which well, I we think know is a- from season one that they murder people freeze the bodies takes people's DNA and oh, they yeah, plant yeah. the DNA on dead bodies yeah, exactly. that was all the stuff and they did call it back to Tony like they've really called back every season and at the very end Tony's girlfriend from the first episode who was very first episode who was killed she's the body that's found with yeah that was a nice like, little payoff Stephen Graham so I think actually like like quite an astonishing feat to bring all that together it just the whole scene slightly erupted and went a bit mad it was just a bit much yeah. like, and she's about to hit the button the same way Dot did and and then it was like no we've got we have already got ridden of the security and there's people running in last minute with evidence it was, and then I mean, the evil red very, one it's all for a show that sort of um, revels in authenticity and detail so much when it gets to these sort of um, it goes bonkers. narrative bonkers points it's like I'm rem- you're reminded that it's a scripted and like the very show. end of the bodyguard went completely off the rails as well I mean I yeah. would argue this is a much better show than the bodyguard albeit I really enjoyed the bodyguard but yeah this all the stuff in the end I did enjoy like Jill and the woman like basically knifing each other in a toilet thought that was quite enjoyable oh, it's just a bit much and look for me and, and uh, sorry, let's talk about the bit after that where Arnett walks into the room with a picture of of uh, Cotton's body on screen. Oh my god! And suddenly this cracks. Is so bad. Suddenly cracks the what they were missing the whole time. That dot in his dying breath. His dying declaration like, keeps being referenced. He never said anything. He didn't declare anything. He basically he just blinked, blinked and tapped his hand like spasmed. <laughs> That's it. I mean, they were like, it's four dots. It's four for dot. There's four. There's four caddies. It's like, like what are they talking about? It's hardly the basis for for like your entire investigation <laughs> into the OCG and H. Like literally, he blinked a couple of times and then his fingers moved. Yeah, and I also think he was the in fact, a death spasm. The fact that he looked at a picture of his hand and realised he was Morse code and I actually said it to you as a joke I said if when Arnett reveals what this is it's probably going to turn out that he was like Morse coding it who the who the who the who H is and that is what it is and that's just dreadful but how they explained it to Hastings was like this is okay to explain Morse code to Hastings who like has been a policeman for like four years (laughs) including like in the troubles of Northern (laughs) Ireland like she's like sir don't you understand a series of taps tap 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 she says the word tap loads and loads of times or dot and then she's like it's Morse code it's like dun 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 like yeah we even got that like but, li- but like literally this is this is what happens at the end of Who Shot Mr. Burns <laughs> when he throws his arms over the letters W and S which upside down means Maggie's it's like come on guys this is absolutely ridiculous and I think the show is really in danger of retreating up its own arse with this OG, OCG stuff. Well, they've been um, commissioned for another season, so I think they're going to make 
just one more. They well, got like a double commission. So and we know, wrote, well, we know now there were four dots. Well, he wrote this season knowing he was writing death. another one. But that was the but boring like, bit. Okay, so we. I don't care. For me, I, I come to this care. show. So who were the four? They said it. Dot. Bigelow. Dot Bigelow and Haste. Haste and no, not Hastings, uh, Hilton. H. Hilton. Oh, you Hilton? missed all his stuff last season, which was really good. So yeah, the fourth I, might be that whoever, whatever policeman's recruiting this young guy now. I, I, but again, I don't care. I don't care because I want a new case. There's nobody. There's nobody left who, it, like, if they revealed it, it would be like, oh my god, it's that person. Like, who's left? It's got like you've got the chief. Super, uh, it's one of the two at the end. The woman or the man who the were woman talking or the to man, the press. The, but we the, don't care about them. Like, who's talking to the press? Like, I don't. I don't care if they revealed it was either of them. I'd be like, so. Yeah. And also, if it's someone new, I'd be like, so. Yeah. Um, I so want a new case. I want a new Lindsay Denton. Yeah. The, the reason I like this show is the is the new cases and the, and the the sort of emotional core of one guest star, amazing character, who is being investigated, and then you, you unravel the reasons for um, their corruption, and it and it's like it's it's. There's shades of grey and it's really interesting. Well, if only you'd seen season four because it was a completely different plot. Well, fine, so I they will. Skipped it. I'll go back and watch it. So they no no. I love Andy Newton as well. But they they should have skipped. I just hope that they didn't do it in season four and it was good because it was onto a different plot. And I just want them to go finish on another plot again, wrap this stuff up as a side plot. That's fine, but like no, but they're not. They're so they're too far into this. And what's happening to Line of Duty is exactly what happened to the, the most recent James Bond films with Daniel Craig. Where uh, spoilers for Spectre, if you care about that or haven't seen it, Can't skip on about it. a minute. Spectre is basically this big reveal that Christoph Waltz. I've been. I was the uh, the the architect of all your pain, James. And then it turns out that all the other villains had been working for him. It's and the same in Avengers. Villain. Everything's down to Thanos. But like, I just don't. I just don't care. I didn't buy it, and I didn't buy that. Like. Those four movies, they try to link them all together, literally with like uh, red bits of twine at the end when when Christoph Waltz sets up this elaborate. Okay, you trap. can stop talking about get James Bond. Now. But basically, that that movie just that, that movie series just lost the plot completely and got wrapped up in its in its own um, in its own constructions and its own narratives and world. And I just it just didn't land. And I feel like the same. I don't care about this OCG and their big. I think I've enough faith in Dead Mercurio's abilities, which are like very very impressive, that he will not belabor this as a whole plot for the next season. I really don't. I no, think it's going to be a side plot. They'll find a, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll find hopefully a, use the formula. They'll find another character with with enough who will bring us along, and, and that's what I'm. That's what I'll be showing up. And literally, every, I'm pretty sure at this point, every English actor will be absolutely gunning to get that guest role. I know, right? It is right. I want it. But it's exciting. It's exciting to think who will it be, what will it be about. Like, and I just can't wait to see Kate in prison because that's the only way for this to go now. <laughs> Everyone in AC12 has to be in prison for a <laughs> how is, they didn't commit. How is AC12 still running? <laughs> it's also, a joke of a how stupid that that Hastings has his job back. I don't. I, mean, I do not buy. It. Like the man was suspended for duty and and like almost charged with like murder. And there's a million things that have not no, been. No, but they explained. said he's on his final warning. I was like, would you have somebody's on their final warning and he's been like openly arrested as the head of an anti-corruption union when you know they basically said at the end like that there was 50 grand missing that they know Ted took but like have they not forgotten he actually did try to kill Stephen Graham's oh 100% they, they, like, they left it ambiguous though at the very end the woman said 
oh, I can't remember her name, but the guest, the big guest actress, she said to her boss, I know that he told him in the prison, and her boss said, let it go, and you had a bit yeah. one in your squad, so don't throw stones in glass but houses, I which was a good scene. Yeah, but I don't, like that, that's like, that's literally a line of dialogue so they can explain away why Adrian Dunbar is still in yeah, the he show. Yeah, like, he would be like, forced into early retirement, like, it's a joke. It's and like, But nonsense. even the fact that, like, after everything Arnett went through, the fact that he's still on the force, and the fact that the Caldy was on the force, who was like so like like criminal and awful and he turned out to have operated under Hastings for years without Hastings suspecting anything like it's a completely inept task force the only one who's (laughs) probably above reproach is Kate yeah who who probably is H that's what I said if Kate's H because it always has to be the one you don't suspect that would have been she's the only one left but 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 I just didn't enjoy the character stuff with her and her husband either I just thought that was all about crap like they they should just not bother doing it if they're not going to do it right well yeah you only get two scenes it's like it's like it's like in um, uh, CSI Miami or NCIS or those um, like cop shows where it's a different case each week and then they try to give you some slight backstory but they don't have enough room in a 40 minute episode to, 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 to give you one moment of one of the characters at home yeah and it's, it's like, like it's, ooh her husband's cross she's working late hours she said her promotion would help we know from season one she cheated on her husband he clearly hasn't forgiven her okay but fine where's any of this going like it, it's added but really like, nothing I don't care because you haven't given me enough to be invested in Kate as a mother yeah I'm not I'm invested in Kate as a deliverer of perfunctory exposition <laughs> which she does and I'm invested in her plum. haircut because it fascinates me that she can pull that haircut off she's nailing that she's nailing it yeah. and then the other woman her nemesis on the other side who messed up the arrest warrant yeah she, not as good she tried the Kate she tried the <laughs> She was Kate. Do you think she, she went, was dark Kate? Do you think she went into the hairdresser with a picture of Kate? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm not. Please, I'm looking for the AC12 look. Well, she's like you, Kate Hastings number two, and she's the other woman's number two. Yeah. And uh, weirdly, when I was dark looking Kate, up, Kate. I like that. You, do you think she's like the mirror universe version yeah, of Kate? Yeah, for sure. She needed like she's a her goatee. tethered. <laughs> but she, um, when I went down the weird, weird like Wikipedia of of characters from Line of Duty. And I clicked on that actress, and then I read that apparently she's going to come up in the latest season of Game of Thrones. Oh, right. Two episodes to go. Oh, <laughs> haven't watched the latest. Okay, haven't watched Game of Thrones. Come on, yet. let's wrap this up. Unless you have any any last uh, thoughts on Line no, of Duty. No, honestly, I just can't wait for it to come back again because I absolutely love water cooler TV. And if this, if Game of Thrones hadn't been running at the same time as this, we would have probably done episodic reviews of this because it's that big. Like it is the show that like you go into work and everyone's talking about the next day. So I just love that as an event. So same. It's with a lot of fun. Yeah. And look, that. we're interested to to hear how many of you guys. Um, have watched Line of Duty and are listening to this so let us know your thoughts uh, do you agree or disagree or what are the thoughts you have who do you think is H <laughs> who's the, the fourth last, caddy the fourth dot <laughs> uh, let us know in the comments um, if it's on patreon.com forward slash the cinemile if you're listening to this on your podcast app that's where all the comments are under this post um, and thanks for listening and we'll see you guys Bye. soon for the tape I'm exiting the room <laughs> What room? We're outside. (laughs) For the day I'm exiting the outside. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Hey, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Ben Holderness. We host the Holderness Family Podcast every Tuesday. You may know us from the silly videos that we make online. Or a book about marriage called Everybody Fights. Or as winners of season 33 of The Amazing Race. Still can't believe that happened. Listen, we do a lot of stuff, but our podcast is our most favorite thing. Yeah, because every week we get to sit down face-to-face, talk to each other about marriage, family, mental health, or just anything that we want to know more about. Sometimes we have expert interviews, sometimes it's just us, but our goal is to bring some joy and laughter into your life every week. Our other goal is that maybe you will learn something as well. Right. So search the Holderness Family Podcast and check out our most recent episodes. We have one about staying organized with creators of the Home Edit. And one about being diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. We hope you'll join us. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.